Hey, this is Kat Kahn from Knoxville, Tennessee. And Tanya Rice from Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are grateful you've joined us. And we cannot wait to share with you the musings of a couple of yogis. We hope you learn, laugh, and enjoy. And we hope you will share with us any of your comments or questions. Without further ado, this is Two Pittas on a Pod. Hey, Tanya. Well, hello, Kat. <laughs> you have your sexy voice on today. <laughs> like it's been like a thousand years. I know. I don't know why every time that we have to have a hiatus for whatever reason, we're both like, okay, never again. <laughs> we can't go that long. Yeah, we can't go that long. And it's really interesting too, because I mean, obviously like our listeners don't know that it's actually been a long time, right? Right. Like uh, they just get to hear us every week and they don't know sort of the complex business, we'll say schedules we try to coordinate between the two of us, right? How yeah. ridiculous it is. Yeah, it'd be a lot easier if we both just sat home and only podcasted. Imagine. And then imagine, <laughs> too, how much more intelligent we would be about our podcasting as well, opposed to the throw it together. Well, I have to say we both are very good at being at preparing ahead of time. So I don't know that we really throw it together, but no. sometimes it feels like we do fly in, getting in sideways. All right. Okay. I'm on. I'm on. I'm on. So, I'm on. I'm here. I'm here. Well, uh, and yeah. you know, even though we are super busy, one thing that we did, and if anyone's listening to this and you like this idea, um, comment and let us know. But um, Tanya and I were talking on the phone last week. Um, one of the few times we were actually able to talk in the past three or four weeks. And because we're not busy enough, we thought, wouldn't it be fun to do <laughs> an online Zoom like uh, workshop and invite everyone to participate? And we don't even know exactly what that means. We know it would have some stuff to do with Ayurveda and yoga and positivity and health coaching and all kinds of stuff. But because we don't have enough to do, we thought, let's just add one more thing onto our little plates. Right? Wouldn't it be so much fun, though, to just <laughs> do like an, an eight-hour day? of mm -hmm. you know just like mini modules and stuff and absolutely and end it mm -hmm. vote on our on our episodes of the topics they want us to cover <gasps> that would be amazing and play yeah that too yeah you guys so. do that yeah do it what are we talking about today cat well, we are doing a book summary by, uh, it's a Lauren Artris book, Walking a Sacred Path. And I had heard about this book years ago from one of the people that we recently, I guess this past year or last year, not sure which one, but we interviewed Terry Price, who is a lawyer, an author, a labyrinth facilitator, and he just loves this book and recommended it to us. So um, this was your suggestion for us to do a book review on it. Yeah, because I am so fascinated by the labyrinth, <laughs> you know, and our conversation and, you know, how many times it's come up now since that conversation, like, you know, just going someplace and seeing a finger labyrinth on somebody's coffee table or, you know, going to a new location and, and hearing that there's a labyrinth over in the park over there or whatever it is. So I'm just 
thoroughly fascinated, really, mm-hmm. at, at the purity mm-hmm. of it. Well, and they, what I find interesting, there's a lot of churches around the world. And there is an app, a labyrinth locator app, where you can search and find labyrinths. But, you know, there are a lot of churches that have them. I've never noticed it before. But like you said, once, like once, you know, when you buy a certain kind of car, all of a sudden you see that car everywhere on the road. It's now that you're aware of labyrinths, you see them everywhere. But they are a great tool in a spiritual journey and they're a great tool when you're transforming your life. Yeah. And and that's kind of the whole crux of it is, you know, people are like, well, what's it for? And, you know, it's not just enough to say to meditatively walk. Right. Right. And and I would have just said that, you know, before reading this book. But now that I've read this book, I'm like, oh, yeah, there, it's a little bit more complex than that. If you're mm-hmm. willing to let it be. Like, mm-hmm. right, it can be as life changing as any other wellness practice that we've talked about, whether it be yoga or Ayurveda, whether it be energy medicine or journaling or, you know, life coaching or whatever it is like, right, like if you're open to the potential for change and transformation, mm-hmm. your labyrinth practice can do that for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can help guide you and it gives you a place to work through a lot of things. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you don't have access to one near you when you look on that locator, but that doesn't mean that you got some chalk, you go out on your driveway, you can build your own labyrinth and this book Mm -hmm. will tell you how, you know, and Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to be something that takes you to a place. And, you know, you think about all the times in yoga, we talk about centering, come back to center, like come back to your heart space, come back to center, like bring all the energy to the midline. Like we literally talk about it all the time. Right. And that's basically what the labyrinth guides us to do mm-hmm. is it guides us to walk right to the middle of ourselves mm-hmm. and then to walk back out and be present to people. So mm-hmm. it's just so cool. Right. Filled yep. with symbology and yet so, so cool. Mm-hmm. And unlike mazes um, where you can lose your way and get lost in them, labyrinths really can. And it sounds a little cheesy, but it's in the, but she did write this. It's a spiritual too that can help tool that can help you find your way yeah you know and it is both a walking meditation it's a walking prayer it's a way to help your psyche meet the divine so it's it has one path in and one path out so for me as far as just literally walking a labyrinth it is one of the most relaxing things I can do because I can totally zone out and just watch my feet one foot in front of the other, you know, and it does feel like you're kind of meandering when you're walking a labyrinth, but it's such a very purposeful path because you're taking that meandering and it has an end point um, to the center and back out. Yeah. When you consider... What's our purpose on a labyrinth? There's some of the stuff that's in written in the book I think is really cool. In first it talks about the importance to connecting to the the divine. Like we need that core feeling of connection to the divine and this is a quote from page 3. To give our lives meaning, to find vision for the future, we need to awaken to a vision of a thriving, healthy planet that supports life among diverse communities. And this is like threaded throughout right all of the first couple chapters where she talks about the importance of that whole um seeking and what is 
what is it we're looking for, Mm -hmm. right? And a lot of times we don't even know. And I remember when we were talking on our episode before that conversation of sometimes you guys would go into the labyrinth without any idea of what you were going to then write Mm -hmm. or journal or and then come out and be like, whoa, I had no idea that was the direction I was going to go. And it's interesting because you don't have to choose the direction in a labyrinth, right? The direction is chosen for you and the direction takes you to the center. And, mm-hmm. and you know, to your point, put one foot in front of the other, but go inside. Let the, let the labyrinth guide you, right? And so Absolutely. I think it's cool because like I literally, I think I highlighted stuff on every page, but one of the things that I liked when she gets to talking about seeking a sacred path, like all of the larger than life questions about our presence here on earth and what gifts we have to offer our spiritual questions. And to seek answers to these questions is to seek a sacred path. And, and even though that's colloquial, it's exactly what we're referring to in the labyrinth is that it is a spiritual path, right? And a lot of us are on spiritual journeys. A lot of the people we're working with currently in life, in yoga, in Ayurveda, in energy medicine, are people who have struggled with either the church, the religion they were brought up in, and they're finding their own spiritual path now as adults. And so it kind of fits in with all the other things that we speak to. Absolutely. As I was continuing on in the reading, some of the things that she brought forth was also that healing aspect of the labyrinth. Mm -hmm. And she talks about it invites relationship and offers a whole way of seeing when we allow ourselves to be whole, we allow new visions to emerge within us and within our cultures. And she goes through the, the divine feminine even and the importance of finding wholeness within yourself. And, you know, as we work as, you know, healers and yoga instructors, we have a lot of people who are coming to us who are feeling broken and aren't feeling whole. And so this is just like an an additional layer. Like as we teach you pranayama, as we teach you asanas, we teach you journaling, like go ahead and find a labyrinth, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's all part of that healing process. Yeah. Yeah. And you can even purchase portable labyrinths. We use a portable labyrinth at the writing retreat when it's raining outside. Um, One thing that I found so interesting was learning more about the history behind the labyrinth and how it these kind of labyrinth patterns had been found in so many cultures all around the world. They, you know, found pieces of it on pottery or tablets or tiles that it dated back, you know, 5,000 years. And a lot of the patterns were based on spirals and circles that were mirrored in nature. And even in the Native American tradition, the, the labyrinth was kind of identical to the medicine wheel and the man in the maze. And I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, it is really cool, the symbology of it all, mm-hmm. right? And I was just thinking about it as, you know, just ironically, uh, we have some tree stumps in the back by the garden, by mm-hmm. our garden. And even though I don't have a labyrinth, like I, I love the peace and the outdoors of the patio stones that we do have in the grass, even though they're not in labyrinth form, which shame, you know, too bad. Maybe that'll be my next project. I'll build myself <laughs> a labyrinth. But I had passed by one of those stumps of wood and kind of got mesmerized by the rings of the tree. And it got me to thinking about 
about, yeah, how common we see those, you know, that circle intelligence in mm-hmm. in nature. So common. Mm-hmm. You think about that dropping a stone in the puddle and watching the rings go out, right? Right. It's so cool, yeah. though. And I was going to mention, because you are, you and I are both rock people, there's a lot of rocks that have patterns like that in there as well. So mm-hmm. there's so many places you can find it back in the, the Druids and the Celts from, you know, Great Britain down to the Jewish people with their Kabbalah, is it the Kabbalah in mystical Judaism? But there's so many places you can look throughout history. And what is interesting about humans as a whole is how all of these people at that time there was no cell phone there weren't any pictures you could send to each other (laughs) but they all came up with these same type things to help them understand themselves I guess and understand the world and to find a way for peace in whatever way or reaching the divine whatever works you know whatever they were personally using it for and I guess maybe just a way for their to heal their soul and to find wholeness maybe yeah And, you know, one of the things that I I had highlighted in the book, too, was this really lovely explanation of how it attracts people. And I thought, hmm, maybe I wonder if that was part of it for me. So on page 20 and 21, the quote is, why does the labyrinth attract people? And the answer she gives is because it is a tool to guide healing, deepen self-knowledge, and empower creativity. Walking the labyrinth clears the mind and gives insight into the spiritual journey. It urges action. It calms people in the throes of life transitions. It helps them see their lives in the context of a path, pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. They realize that they are not human beings on a spiritual path, but spiritual beings on a human path. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is really cool. Yeah. So she goes on to talk about how the experience is different for everyone because each of us brings different raw material to the labyrinth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we bring our own unique hopes, dreams, his. Uh, history, longings, and and our soul. But so it's funny because I know as you had been talking about the labyrinth before, the product, this is another quote on page 17. I'm going backwards in the book because this is too good not to mention. The product of the creative imagination found inside ourselves, not out there or above us. This is what people are discovering in the labyrinth. And I like that where she refers to what's outside us and what's above us. Because there's a lot of times you will speak with people who mm-hmm. will be stagnant or won't make a decision or won't make a change because they have, and I'm going to say this blanketly and I hope I don't offend anybody, but if it's you, maybe come talk to me. Um <laughs> But have like let go and let God. And Mm -hmm. that's a wonderful thing in terms of expectations and wanting specific results. But being stagnant waiting is also not healthy, right? So there's there's a little bit of are you doing it with purity of heart or are you doing it as a crutch and being stuck within that space, right? (laughs) And so it's interesting that she says this because... She talks about how the labyrinth is that container for the creative imagination to align with your heart's desires. And it's the place where we can profoundly 
yet playfully experience our soul's longing and intention. It's so cool. It is so cool. So why do you, uh, I know she talks in the book about why people are attracted to labyrinths, but the more I learn about them, the more I'm attracted. I've got a finger labyrinth downstairs in my, in my bedroom. I, and I like that you can print out a paper labyrinth online to use as a finger labyrinth, but they are, they are, people just are drawn to them. And I think ultimately because it calms you. Yeah, it can be. So again, another quote on page 25, the labyrinth Mm -hmm. can be a tremendous help in quieting the mind because the body is moving. Movement takes away the excess charge of psychic energy that disturbs our efforts to quiet our thought processes. And it's true. Even when we talk about meditation, you and I, and we try and talk to new beginners about meditation. We tell them, patient, keep trying again. Don't force it. Just accept what comes of it. But sometimes people really struggle. Or I'm working with a couple of people who we're working on imagery and they just cannot for the life of them picture the image. (laughs) And right, like, so this is all part of that process, but it is attractive to people because it is so quieting. And It's nature. It's grounding. It's, you know, there's so many components, you know, health-wise and energetically that go into it, right? Mm -hmm. We use the symbology of circles in energy work as we draw things out or as we press things in, like, right? So it's, it's common. Mm -hmm. It's, it's thoroughly common. I think another thing I wanted to bring up that, you know, you kind of alluded to this when you talked about the history of it, but she kind of goes on to discuss the pilgrims and the paths in chapter two, mm-hmm. where it's kind of like the walk the walk kind of talk, right? right? Where she brings up all the great world religions contain teachings that articulate the journey of the spiritual seeker, the path one must walk in order to grow in compassion and respond to the world with clarity and wisdom. She goes on to then specify, like in Buddhist teachings, this is called the path of enlightenment. In Hindu tradition, it's moksha. And in Christian religion, it's union with God through self-knowledge. That's the end path, right? But all the paths draw us into ourselves. Other paths usher us out to the world to explore, to learn, to serve. So it's this beautiful combination of having a moment to go in, prepare (laughs) yourself and come back out again, Mm -hmm. which is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think you could, as a yoga teacher, you could use a labyrinth for sure with teaching the chakras. Oh, oh, snap. (laughs) Now that's a great idea. <laughs> hmm. I could see that happening like multiple ways, specifically mm-hmm. because of the l- number of rings. You mm-hmm. can do it by rings, right? Mm-hmm. Ooh, now just... you're on to something. <laughs> mean. Wow. Well, maybe maybe that'll be our workshop we do. Hmm. But you know, especially just the grounding aspect of it. That's all. You know. The root chakra, and I don't know anyone on this planet that doesn't need to start there and probably stay there for a year or two. (laughs) Or, yeah. Or more. (laughs) Or (laughs) forever. (laughs) A year or two or something. Right. (laughs) It is really cool, though. So the whole book is just filled with quotes. Like, I can't even express how many times I underline things in the book. Just really the discussions about all of the healing that can happen, all of the self-knowledge that can happen, like the intelligence of like 
to your point, how old it is. Like it's mm-hmm. as old a science as our Ayurveda and our yoga. So, you know, it has value because of its, what I would say, sacred, right? Mm-hmm. It's It was what was gifted to us through the divine. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to express it, right? Oh. And if you guys have any favorite labyrinths in your area or any that you regularly go to, um, let us know too. But I know that the first time I did a lab, uh, walk the labyrinth, I had not had any instruction and you don't really need an instruction, but it's a different experience when you know, when you have a purpose to walk it, it's just like anything you do. It's the intent and the purpose behind it. And the first time I walked, I was like, oh, that's really neat. I was doing a walking meditation. Wasn't that fun for me? And then after, you know, Terry told us, you know, just start at, just stand there and start and either set an intention or just be open to receive. And before you start, before you step into it, and you always walk a labyrinth barefoot, unless obviously you're in a cow field or something like that, and there's a hand done. But generally, you want to be as connected to the earth as possible. The first time I did it with intent, just, and that was literally through his instruction, I started with what was my purpose and what I was hoping to find. And when I got to the center of the labyrinth, you know, you stand there and you close your eyes and you just receive whatever it is. Then you walk back out and you pause right as you're walking out. But it, it, it makes it more ritualistic, which, of course, I like that. I like having my little, you know, ways of doing things and my little blocks and everything in a row. And it did make it a big difference in the way I felt going in and coming out um, because of, you know, my purpose, my expectations. So cool. So cool. So one thing I just wanted to like sort of finish on as we're talking about this is, you know, in the classic labyrinth, it is not by accident that that there is the circuit of rings. And in a classic labyrinth, the ring count is seven mm-hmm. to perfectly align with your seven chakra theory, mm-hmm. but also <laughs> to perfectly align with mapping out the cosmos which is what Mm -hmm. it was originally for, but it works pretty well with the seven chakras. Mm -hmm. Mm, Yeah, I think we should do something with that. I think so. Mm -hmm. Because she kind of defines the labyrinth is, I think this is cool, unicursal, well-defined to the center and back. It is used to ease, to calm, and to center. Whereas a maze is multi-cursal choices of paths with sometimes many dead ends, mm-hmm. cul-de-sacs, and it is designed to challenge and to excite. They have completely different purposes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, for those of you who don't know, we're reading the book Walking a Sacred Path by Lauren Artres, recommended by Terry Price. <laughs> who we interviewed on podcast 107 if you want to go back and listen because it was an amazing interview yes it was and he is an amazing person so definitely go check that one out awesome perfect i'm kat khan and i am tanya rice and this is two pittas on a pod signing off thank you for listening to two pittas on a pod we're grateful you joined us join us again for more musings of a couple of yogis We hope you learned, laughed, and enjoyed this podcast, and we hope you will share your comments or questions. Email us at twopittasonapod at gmail.com. 
and like us on Facebook and Instagram at Two Pittas on a Pod.